Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avraham Fisher, and this week's parasha is Toledot. Toledot Yitzchak, the stories of, the life of, the generations of Yitzchak. The, uh, the parasha, uh, accordingly, uh, focuses on Yitzchak. Uh, Avraham is uh, is the previous generation, and now the focus is on Yitzchak, and very soon also on the next generation, that is Yaakov. The parasha, we can say, has three main topics. The first is the birth and the early life of Yaakov and Esav, the twin brothers Yaakov and Esav. We're told, first of all, that Yitzchak was 40 years old when uh, he married Rivka. Uh, but Rivka is barren, and so there is prayer, Yitzchak prays, as I'll say that Rivka also prays, and uh, eventually Hashem listens to Yitzchak's intensive prayer, and uh, Rivka conceives. However, uh, she experiences some struggling going on uh, uh, within the uh, within the pregnancy, and she seeks an explanation from Hashem. She seeks out the uh, prophecy in that time to find out uh, what is happening to her. And she is told that there are actually two nations that are struggling within you. And so, uh, sure enough. When they are born, they are twins, uh, at the time when Yitzhak is 60 years old. The first one to come out is Esav, and he is uh, hairy, like a, like a man, uh, and so he seems to be fully formed, and that's what Esav means, he's made. When, as Esav comes out, Yaakov is holding on to his heel, and so he's called Yaakov, from the Hebrew word for heel, Akif. And as they grow up, uh, Esau becomes a hunter, and Yaakov is the simple man who lives in tents. Yitzchak prefers Esau, and Rivka prefers Yaakov. We're also told about an incident in which uh, Esau sells the right of the firstborn, uh, and uh, because he wants some lentil stew, uh, and Yaakov uh, convinces him to uh, to sell the, fir- the the birthright, the right of the firstborn, and Esau uh, does so. Uh, and therefore, from uh, from a certain perspective, Yaakov should be considered the firstborn, even though Esau uh, was actually uh, born first. The next section of the parasha. Um, might be entitled Yitzchak in the land of the Philistines, the land of the Philistine. There is a famine in the land, uh, and accordingly, uh, Yitzchak moves uh, to a place where there will be more food, and he is traveling in the direction towards uh, Egypt. However, Hashem appears to him and tells him, do not go down to Egypt, remain in this area, it's called Gerar, uh, which is the land of the Philistines, settle this land, and God promises him that he will give him this land as well, to, to him and to his descendants, and he will bless 
him the same way he blessed Abraham who obeyed him. Uh, so Yitzchak is uh, being cared for by Hashem, even though it's a famine, uh, but he's in the land of the Plishti. <coughs> Yitzchak is concerned, uh, as his uh, father and uh, mother had once been, uh, that uh, the people are going to want to take uh, Rivka. So he says, uh, she is my sister instead of my wife. And Avimelech uh, realizes that they are in fact husband and wife. And he confronts Yitzchak and says, why did you do this? And Yitzchak's response is, I was afraid for my life. And Avimelech says to his people, do not harm them. Avimelech is the uh, king of the of Gerar, uh, of the land of the Pelishtim. And uh, he instructs his people, do not harm uh, Yitzchak or his wife as they, uh, as they travel. And so Yitzchak distances himself uh, from where Avimelech's living quarters are, uh, and he plants in the land, and he's very successful. Uh, this despite the fact that it is not the best planting land, and it is a famine. And nevertheless, Yitzchak is very, very successful. So this is one of the, um, uh, one of the only protracted incidents that we have in which Yitzchak is active. Um, namely, his interaction with the land, his uh, planting in the land, uh, that's what we see uh, Yitzchak's uh, journey is, is all about. Now, because he's so successful, the uh, Philistine, the Polishtim, are uh, jealous. And what they've been doing is they've been uh, finding the wells that were dug in the previous generation by Abraham. And they've been stopping up the wells. Um, and... Uh, uh, this makes things difficult, of course, for uh, Yitzchak himself. And Avimelech tells Yitzchak, move farther away from where we live. And in the process, Yitzchak redigs the wells that had once been dug by his father. Uh, we'll say more about these wells, uh, as well as the, uh, the next ones, because there are disputes over other wells that Yitzchak uh, digs. Because he moves farther away from Gerar, he moves closer to Beersheba. Um, so there are three wells. Uh, first two there is strife. Uh, so he calls those first two Esek and Sitna, uh, strife and, uh, and resentment. Uh, but the third one, there's no strife, there's no arguing with the local people. And so he calls it Rehovot, which means expanses, a sense of uh, being comfortable. And then Hashem appears to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak uh, builds an altar, and then another well is discovered. But Avimelech and his uh, chief of staff, the head of his army, Pichol, come, and they also want to make a covenant with Yitzchak. It's very similar to what happened in the time of Avraham, because the uh, Avimelech of that time, Avimelech was probably the title of the king, not the person's personal name, in the same way as Paro is the name, is the term for the king of Egypt. So Avimelech of Abraham's time also made a pact with, uh, a covenant with Abraham. So now Avimelech and Pichol want to make a covenant with Yitzchak, and they do so, and they make a feast, and then Avimelech and Pichol uh, take their leave, and then afterwards uh, they, uh, Yitzchak is told by his servants that the, a, a new well has been discovered, called Shiva, and once again this echoes the name of the place, which is Be'er Sheva. The third and uh, final part of 
uh, of our uh, parasha uh, might be called the struggle over Yitzchak's uh, blessing. Uh, we, uh, as, a, as an introduction to this, uh, we are told that when uh, Esav is 40 years old, uh, he marries, sort of an imitation of his father. However, very much unlike his father, his father uh, Yitzhak married Rivka, and a great deal of trouble was uh, was gone to in order to make sure that Yitzhak would marry someone who is appropriate from the from Abraham's family, um, someone who uh, shares the, the values. Uh, Esau did not behave this way. He married two, not one, but two uh, Hittite women, and this causes great distress to both of his parents because. Uh, Certainly, they, these women must be idolaters. When you think of all the trouble that Avraham went to in order to make sure that Yitzhak would not marry from an idolatrous family. So this causes great distress to his parents. Uh, in a sense, this is an introduction because, um, uh, because uh, as we're going to see, um, there are blessings that uh, Yitzhak wants to give his children, uh, but uh, the fact that Esau has married uh, these Hittite women, these idolatrous women, uh, kind of looms over all of this. Yitzhak does want to bless Esau, and uh, Esau is the firstborn, certainly biologically, um, and so he says uh, to Esau, prepare game for me, Yitzhak likes uh, meat that has been uh, that has been prepared from game, not something domestic. I love this, uh, and uh, then I will bless you. Uh, so Esau goes off to do this, and Rivka has been overhearing this, and she instructs Yaakov to disguise himself as Esau. After all, uh, Yitzchak's uh, vision is uh, is declining, uh, and so uh, there is some back and forth between uh, Yaakov and Rivka about whether this is appropriate to do, and, but in the end Rivka insists, uh, orders Yaakov to do this, and so he does, and so Yitzchak ends up blessing Yaakov when uh, thinking that he is Esav, but then Esav returns, and the deception is discovered, and then eventually Yitzchak gives Esav his own blessing, uh, but Esav is still angry, and he vows to kill Yaakov. So Yaakov's life is in danger. Rivka says to Yaakov, go to live with my brother Lavan, and in this way you'll be far away from home and safe from, from your brother, from Esau who wants to kill you. And she says, uh, I, will, I will send for you when the, when the time is right. Uh, stay there for a period of time, and then eventually I will send for you. What Rivka says to Yitzchak is, uh, we must send Yaakov away to Lavan, my brother, uh, to find a wife, similar to how uh, Rivka was found for Yitzchak. So Yaakov can find uh, a wife from among that family as well. Uh, after all, and it's, uh, uh, she says that we want Yaakov to be unlike Esau. It's, uh, it's distressing that uh, Esau is married to these Hittite women. If Yaakov does something like that as well, uh, Rivka says that she, uh, uh, she she doesn't see a point in her life. And so, uh, for uh, 
between what Rivka says to Yaakov and what uh, Rivka says to uh, Yitzchak, Yitzchak um, is preparing to go to uh, to live with Lavan. Before he goes, Yitzchak says to Yaakov, uh, go to Lavan, find a wife. He, Yitzchak is apparently unaware of the fact that Yaakov's life is in danger by his brother, but he does say, go to Lavan to find a wife, and may Hashem bless you, and he says, bless you with the blessings of Avraham. And I think it's important to point this out, that uh, now ya- uh, Yitzchak knows that he's talking to Yaakov, and he says that uh, that Yaakov should have the brachot of Avraham. In other words, the bracha that Yitzchak wanted to give Esav was not the bracha that God had given Avraham and which had been passed on to Yitzchak. It was a different bracha meant for Esav. But the, the bracha of Avraham, which had to do with uh, creating the next link in the chain that would eventually yield to the uh, lead to the uh, creation of the Jewish people, which would have this specific land, that, I think you could say, uh, was always meant for Yaakov, because he says, may Hashem give you the blessing of Avraham. And so Yaakov departs for Lavan's home, and at the very end of the parasha, Esav kind of gets the message that uh, his parents are unhappy with his choice of wives, um, he doesn't uh, undo the uh, the thing that he's done, but he tries to uh, make up for it, in a sense, by marrying two of Yishmael's daughters, which uh, he must feel would be more acceptable to uh, to his parents. And that brings us to the end of the parasha. Now, uh, let's return to the incident involving the wells. Uh, the servants of Yitzchak were digging in the uh, in the valley in the wadi, uh, and they find the well. And the uh, shepherds of the area quarrelled with Yitzchak's shepherds. They say that the water is ours; you're in our area. But the sh- shepherds of uh, Yitzchak say, "No, it's ours because uh, we discovered it." Uh, and so, because of this uh, contention. Uh, the Yitzchak calls the well Esek, which means contention. And then they went somewhere else, and they dug another well, and there was a dispute over it as well. So that was called Sitna, which means uh, animosity, uh, hatred. And then he uh, uh, moved to another place, and they uh, another they dug another well, and there was no uh, argument over this, and so he calls it Rechovot, which has to do with what he Yaakov, uh, what Yitzchak says that God here uh, God has granted us space He's expanded for us and therefore farin we will increase in the land. Uh, the Ramban raises the fundamental question: Why are all these details about these uh, wells? Why are they included here in the uh, in the Torah? Uh, what uh, what advantage is there in uh, in this? I mean, after all, as uh, the Ramban says, at, at least at first glance, uh, this doesn't bring great honor to Yitzchak to see that he has to uh, uh, that he has to dispute over over the wells. It seems to be a very mundane activity, but uh, the Ramban insists that the, the wells here 
are uh, symbolic of the well of water, the well of, living, of flowing water, uh, namely the Beit HaMikdash. These three wells uh, are foreshadowed. This is an example of uh, what the Ramban says many times, especially in Bereshit, Maseavot Siman Lebanim, that the deeds of the patriarchs are a sign for their children, meaning uh, what, what happens in their lives uh, and are recorded in the Torah is a microcosm, a predecessor of what will eventually happen to the Jewish people. Uh, and so the, build, the digging of these three wells uh, really symbolizes the three uh, temples. The first temple, uh, there was uh, strife and contention, uh, over it, eventually resulting in its destruction. Um, there are many conflicts and wars, and eventually it was destroyed. The second well is called Sitna, uh, which is harsher, it's a, it means hatred, and uh, it alludes, says the Ramban, to the second temple, uh, and that very word, Sitna, is used in the context of the second temple, in the book of Ezra, that says that during the time that they were building, that they were working on the second Beit HaMikdash, uh, certain accusations, and the word that's written there is sitna, uh, was written uh, against the, the Jews who were building, uh, those who wrote these accusations, uh, were those who did not want the Jews to build their, uh, their temple. So there was uh, accusation, there was hatred there as well. That's the second Beit HaMikdash. So both the first and the second Beit HaMikdash uh, existed within an atmosphere of uh, contention, strife, and hatred. However, um, the third well is called Rehovot, expansion. And that, says the Ramban, is an allusion to the future. May it be built speedily in our days. That uh, the third Beit HaMikdash will be built without conflict, without dispute. God will expand our borders um, that is what is uh, that's what is referred to, or that's the symbolism of the third well, which is the third Beit Hamikdash, when uh, all of uh, uh, all of us, indeed all of humanity, will be able to uh, worship Hashem and recognize Hashem uh, as one. I thank you very much for joining me in this exploration of Parashat Toledot. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.